Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Isaac Mihangos, and welcome back to the Isaac Mihangos podcast. Today, we'll be discussing Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live. Photographers asked strangers what they wanted to say but never did. Clubhouse on Android and Twitter spaces. So a lot of Clubhouse and audio related news. Once again, if you are listening to me, uh, I would highly appreciate it if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and upvote me on the Foundation app. All links are down below. But for right now, let's just dive into Elon on SNL. And uh, what is my overall rating? Um, I think it's a 7 out of 10. There were a lot of skits that were okay. The one that I personally really love was the the Gen Z. Gen Z skits was very on point. You can you can hear the Gen Z language that I'm using right now. I was cracking up a lot because I actually know people that talk like that. Like, no cap, no cap, I'm dead, dead ass. It was just absolutely hilarious. And everything that they said was basically on point. That was very entertaining to, to watch. Uh, you know, Elon is a lot of things. He's an engineer, designer, business magnet. But he's definitely no actor. Were there any cringy moments throughout the show? I mean, I was not like the Waluigi skit. That one was like, oh, I was like chuckling here and there. And I thought that him dressing up as Wario was hilarious. You know, it's pretty memeable. I think there were a lot of great memeable moments throughout the entire show. The one that that just kind of hit me right now was where they're talking about blockchain technology. What I found that funny was it's so true the way that they're describing how someone explains the blockchain, Bitcoin, you know, Doge to someone. And we're going to talk about Doge, okay? Because apparently we were all very wrong on the idea of Doge. So first things first, how you explain blockchain technology to someone it's, it's like you know it's technology it's block backed up by the blockchain and it's verified by peer peer i think there's a really great documentary that shows the power of a blockchain and peer-to-peer network i think there was a documentary by vox i believe that shows cuba where the way that their internet is formed is very different from here in the States, right? So here in the States, we go to like Comcast or AT&T or I don't know, any other internet provider uh, just shows how little choice we have here. And, you know, you go to them, they come in, they put in the router, they give you internet, you pay monthly, but there they kind of have to build individually, right? And then they connect with one another in order to get a, you know, different form of the internet where movies, TV shows, music, podcasts, all that is shared in a different manner, right? Like you just don't download it, you share peer-to-peer and people are able to grab this. And if one server goes down, um, it doesn't affect everybody, right? It just affects that individual and it gets repaired when needed. When I watched that documentary, I thought it was really interesting how that would work, right? Like that's, I don't even know how big Cuba is, to be quite honest, but it clearly it's like, I, it's a huge country, right? Or it's a huge piece of land. And I was like, huh, like who came up with this first and foremost? It's really smart, a uh, great way to get information. But how would that work like on a global scale? And I think the that was like the pre-ephesis to blockchain and blockchain technology. Now we're seeing it on a global scale. Clearly we're still working out the kinks, you know, how to verify stuff, how to, you know, get everybody to understand it. 
And that's good. It was like, well, it's peer-to-peer network and it's, uh, you know, decentralized. It's like, what are you like? Yeah, but what do you mean by that? And I've seen, you know, you go on YouTube, you go on Twitter and there's these crypto experts that don't really know how to explain anything. And part of being an expert is learning to explain things. It's like, what are you saying? Like, what what does peer-to-peer mean? There's a lot of great YouTube channels out there that explain it really well. Which one's one of my favorites at the moment where I've learned a little bit about blockchain and Bitcoin. Let me just search that up for you guys right now. Um, I think Andre Jikith, A-N-D-R-E-I-J-I-K-H. He does a really great job at explaining like Bitcoin and Bitcoin technology. And I really understood what he was saying. So if you want to go learn about it, I'd, I would highly suggest him. Tim Dillon, fake business, clearly an expert. Just kidding, don't, don't listen to the fake business of Tim Dillon. I thought that it's good right now that I'm processing it. I'm like, yeah, this is so true. Another one of my favorite parts about the SNL skit though was uh, Pete Davidson. That skit at the end really caught me off guard, you know, like the Marsh skit where he sacrifices himself for humanity. I did not see the ending coming at all. Since we talked about SNL, we clearly had to talk about Dogecoin. Yes, we, once again, I'm not a financial advisor. I do not give you financial advice. But Doge went down, unfortunately, by like 25%. What is this in my, like, in my little analysis? I thought it was going to rise to a dollar, to be quite honest. Everyone's like, it's going to go to a dollar. It's going to go to a dollar. I have not researched why it dropped like 25%. Maybe just solely on popularity. People are selling off. I think the highest was 71. But what is really the future of Doge? You know, it's the most accessible, right? It's the most accessible. People understand it. It's a meme. There's a lot of things behind it to me that are, this is like the Doge coin is the coin for the regular person, right? There's so there's only so much Ethereum and Bitcoin, but there's unlimited Doge. And I think I see it as that. That's all it is, right? It is the common man's or woman's coin. That's all it is. Like everybody can access it. Clearly it's very well adopted through like Coinbase and all these other crypto wallets. It's like, oh, you get it, right? It's just like money. I'm still gonna keep it because it's, you know, it's for the meme. I'm keeping it for the meme, guys. (laughs) If it goes up, I'm very happy with it. But if it stays where it's at, it's like some people put in a lot of money at the wrong time. Like imagine if you put at 71, like you put in your thousand dollars or something. And then it drops by like 25%. You just lost like $250 on there. But that's all I see Dogecoin as, as the coin for the average person. Uh, Overall rating for the SNL skit, it is a seven out of 10. Could have been much worse. Uh, Next, let's wind down a little with not so major news. I found this article on Petapixel. It's called Things You Never Said by Geloy Conception. These are... The, the, this set of photos in our project was extremely fascinating to me. I thought it was beautiful. And when I read what these people had written, it was like, wow, the, the human experience is so universal. You know, uh, I just want to share a few of the quotes that were given, that were taken uh, and put into photos. I think I will link this down below and you can see the photos by yourself. There was... You know, 
Okay, I'll talk about that later, but let me read you um, what the premise of the project was. It says, quote, things that we wanted to voice out, but we couldn't because we lacked the courage to do so because we might sound crazy because it is too late or because we might hurt someone, end quote. So that's what Mr. Concepcion, um, hopefully I say your name right, uh, wanted to create. And apparently there were like, it started off as a very small project and people kept on submitting their photos. And I guess Galoy, I'm just gonna call him Galoy. Uh, originally it was just a place for him to put, you know, like words, uh, words and photos together from his uh, like stack of like leftover photos, but then it transformed into something bigger and he asked people to submit their own photos. It really was amazing to like hear things that, you know, we all kind of share, right? So in this one photo with a car, with a blue cover, it says, I'm afraid my dream job is working towards, I'm afraid my dream job I'm working towards will never sustain my family financially. The next one says, it's an old man reading uh, a paper and then says, I haven't had a tender hug in the last 10 years. A black and white photo with a, with two grandparents over the ocean says someone broke me and instead of fixing myself I broke someone else I never thought I'd be the, this person but here I am becoming the person that hurt me there's so many more quotes that I that I just sat there you know like looking at these images and thinking about it because I think we all share these thoughts right like like the the idea of your dream job like what is your dream job I think most people would say, I want to be my own boss. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to, you know, work for somebody else. But is that realistic? Like, will that support me financially? I think when you're in your like 20s and 30s, this becomes a little bit more prominent. Like, what is your career path? What usually are the steps? And, and you know, I think my generation is extremely lucky. Um, I think Alex O'Hanny put it best. Our generation has an opportunity unlike any other, to create small empires without anybody's permission. When I when I look at this this first quote, it says, I'm afraid my dream job I'm working towards will never sustain my family financially. I feel like that's someone older. You know, we, we have the ability to create content and I'm very optimistic that most people that put in the work will be rewarded, uh, especially in the land of content creation where more companies are spreading out and there's more ways to you know, build your dream job, whatever that is in whatever field that you'll be able to sustain yourself financially. And I don't mean like, you know, you got like five jets and 25 Teslas and 10 freaking California. Like, no, like more of a realistic, like single family home um, and you own a nice house and you have X, Y, and Z. But that, that really hit me because I've, I've often thought like, you know, being an artist is like a very difficult thing to like monetize, like the way that technology is helping artists and people. And I see it more of a, as a realistic goal now. So if you're an artist, there there's definitely ways. My favorite thing about the photos is they're not perfect. If I just kind of look at the photo, I can tell that they were shot on film first and foremost, but they're just breaking down the photo first. They're not the best well lit. They are properly, like if I saw an exposure triangle, I can pretty much see that they're properly exposed, but there's nothing, 
that I would say is like very happy to them. I guess the, the photo is to me like the visual of something that's broken. And it goes along very well with the with the words where people feel like this, the sense of brokenness, um, along with the handwriting. I actually do not know if this is the artist handwriting or it's the individual who submitted it, but it just goes so well with the texture, the broken, the, the chicken scratch handwriting, along with the photo that is not of something beautiful. It doesn't have this over edited, you know, filter on it. It's just raw. The composition too, like the composition feels like the words fit, like your, your head and your thoughts are fighting for this space while you're saying these thoughts. So it felt very well composed. It's a great piece of work that shows that not everything has to be properly well lit, highly produced, very well published with like 10, you know, layers of approval. I just thought it was such amazing work. I'm gonna stop talking because I feel like I'm talking about this for quite a while. I just like the, the photos, the words are absolutely amazing. And the human experience is very complicated, right? What we think inside our heads can be very difficult if we don't have some sort of outlet. So yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's my pro that's that's a project for the week that I, I really loved. Next, Android on Clubhouse. I mean Clubhouse on Android. Well, 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 apparently Android is finally getting Clubhouse. Is there some way that we can make like their circles green so we can just like, no, you know, it's been an iPhone exclusive app for like a year now. Now we got to share with you. I'm just kidding. So here are some of the facts. The Android app can now be downloaded via the app store in the United States. Okay. So this is really interesting to me. Apparently Clubhouse evaluation is at $4 billion. That's absolutely insane. That is bonkers to me. It's such a simplistic application, but it's valuation is very high in the billions. You know, I feel like, you know, when you, when you're in the Bay area, you constantly hear these valuation, this valuation that it's like, but, but it's not like they have that money on hand, right? It's just, it's evaluation, what people think it's worth. I don't, I don't know if Clubhouse is worth 4 billion. Like I'm, I like the, the idea, but I don't know if it can survive solely on that one feature because as we move on, apparently Twitter's clone of Clubhouse called Spaces has emerged as one of the biggest competitors to the A16Z and Tiger Global backed startup and unplanned Twitter Spaces available on Android as well. Hosted by high-profile Indian startups, founder on earlier Sunday attracted hundreds of listeners within a few minutes, for instance. End quote. I didn't even begin that quote. Like, we see Clubhouse just being replicated on a whim. You know, we constantly see this replication. I think Instagram Stories is the best example, right? Instagram couldn't buy or Facebook couldn't buy Snapchat, so they just duplicated it. And now these applications just kind of copy one another. Clubhouse has the original name, the original idea. It is now a verb, you know, it's like get on Clubhouse, Clubhouse this, Clubhouse that. And now that Twitter spaces has come over, um, like I, I see Twitter as one thing, which is you share your thoughts, you just kind of like post and ghost. That's all you do. Unless you're one of these people that's on Twitter for like 25 hours a day. I don't know if I would go on there to like talk to people, like voice to voice, right? And I think that's, it, there's got to be like some sort of way to like not just 
because I think what Clubhouse has done really well is it's introduced you to like random topics that you're kind of interested in. Twitter kind of doesn't have that yet, right? Like there's no tab for spaces at the moment that I've seen where it's like, here's topics you might be interested in and you join that, then you join the conversation. There's Twitter still feels like it's just for writing. It doesn't feel like it's an audio thing. Clubhouse is exclusively audio. There's no there's no DMs at all. So Twitter, for me to be like more incentivized to go to spaces, I guess it kind of has to add that. It's got to find a way to make itself not just text heavy, but audio heavy too. I don't know how they would go about that, but that's just like my idea as a consumer, right? Like this is, this isn't even on the tab yet. It's like on the top, there's no real way to recommend Twitter spaces at the moment. It's very low beta, but kind of moving, <laughs> I think we moved away from the point that Clubhouse is on Android. Um, apparently too, there was a drastic drop over the recent months on Clubhouse. I think this is just of new downloads, right? But also as someone that was kind of there on the early stages, it's like, it was great during lockdown, but now that we're allowed to like go outside and actually you know go outside like the it's kind of drastically dropped like i don't just just plummeted down there's a there's no real there, there's still it still has its charm its popularity the startup sort of look on the design front like how do you expand beyond that right they added the feature where clubhouse added the feature where you can tip people now the the fight between twitter spaces and Clubhouse, I think, will be the biggest one. Instagram, clearly copying it. It's getting zucked. Instagram runs into the same problem, except this is with photos. It's photo heavy. Um, now it's video heavy too. There's reels. There's shopping. This is where we move into the question. How many features is just way too many features, right? Like Instagram has like 25 things it wants to do now. It's not just photo and video. It's selling you stuff. It's everything else. It's just like what... Like, what is this even anymore? It's trying to be too many things, but I just want an app that does one thing and that's it. I don't need 25, 30 features on this. I just want do one thing that it does really well. And Clubhouse does the audio conversation and setting you up with just like people very well. What doesn't it do well? Um, I think that its algorithm is so kind of weird. It just shows me like the same thing. Like I'll, I'll be... I won't be on for like three days and then it'll show me the exact same room. <laughs> like what, what's been going on here? Has the room just been kept alive for like the past three days? Did they, did no one change the title? I see the same people in here sometimes, man. Are, are people here 30, 72 hours straight? What, what kind of competition is this? That's what Clubhouse has at the moment. It has the name. It has the recognition. It's now on Android. We'll see how that goes because, you know, Snapchat had that problem where the picture quality would just look so disgusting. You know, instead of recording from the camera, it would just record the screen and that's why it would look all grainy. There's definitely going to be growth for quite a while, but not to, not to the extent where we saw it in its first few months. It's still going to be invite only, which is crazy to me. But I think that's how it's maintained its exclusivity throughout everything, right? It's invite only, you gotta know some people, and it's gonna be kept that way for Android users too. Um, 
I thought it was cool at first. You know, it makes sense when you're kind of a small startup. But now, and to measure growth, right? Now it's just like, eh, like I want to invite people. I don't want to invite people, you know? It's kind of like a chore at this point. Will this growth be infinite? No, I think people that are on Android and are going to be joining Clubhouse for the first time will get addicted like everybody else, right? Like it was such a new... I want to say new format format, but it was a new way to interact with people. And they're just going to be there for a month. And then afterwards, you know, it's going to get a little boring, a little repetitive, hearing all these tech experts and life coaches trying to sell you their course. Like every other five minutes, people hearing themselves talk a little, a little too much. I've been like... I'm pretty sure if you're on Clubhouse, you've at least been in some of those rooms for like five minutes. Like all they're doing is they're talking about themselves like a bunch of like popular high school kids. Like high school never ends. That's what's going to happen. What is the next move for Clubhouse? Just as someone that's looking at this as a tech enthusiast. I like Clubhouse because it's one thing. It's not Instagram with 25 features. It's not Twitter with multiple features. Um, it's just that. I think it'd be kind of odd if Instagram were to adopt this because Instagram is so video and image focused. I just, that just feels kind of weird. It's like being in a giant Zoom call, I guess. Like if Instagram were to adopt the same model and then they're like, oh, but you can add cameras and you can you know, add live to this. It's like, ugh, that's like being in a meeting. It's like, what's being a meeting? Clubhouse is audio only, so you can multitask. You don't always have to be looking at the camera. If Snapchat were to pick it up, uh, no, I don't. I don't think Snapchat would be like a good, you know, acquisition, because again, it's camera focused. It's more like personal. It's like they're trying to do the social thing, and apparently, it did work very well. The stock shot up a few months ago. It's still. I just don't see. I think the best company that would acquire Anchor. I mean, um. Clubhouse would be uh, Spotify. They already own Anchor, a lot of podcasting applications. And I find that this is the next step towards that, like live uh, podcasting. There's a lot of celebrities still on Clubhouse. There's still a lot to join. There's still those like FOMO experiences, you know, like Elon being there, uh, Moxie Defender Signal, still waiting for Edward Snowden to get on there. That'd be kind of funny. Uh, Tim Dillon's on there. I think Clubhouse either needs to be acquired or that they need to put some other spin onto this um, so they can survive. I think I see it more as a feature than a standalone app sometimes, but the app is there, you know? That's like how it was originally created. Again, really great idea, concept, clearly. People are copying it. Twitter needs to be more focused on making Twitter less text-heavy and more audio-heavy for me to be a constant user. And if you're on Android, please let us know you're an Android. <laughs> Next, uh, talking a lot about Twitter today, Twitter Spaces. Next is Twitter Tip Jar. This is a way for Twitter, in my eyes, to compete against Patreon. Patreon is clearly very well known. They're like the standard for supporting other creators. I don't have a Patreon. I don't know if I will in the future. But it's clearly like the standard, right? It's a verb. It's the verb. You know, 
support me on Patreon. Oh, I just do Patreon and it's like the most common known. Uh, the tip jar feature, it says, quote, to use the tip jar feature, simply tap on the freshly added dollar icon next to someone's username when viewing their profile on a Twitter mobile app, on Twitter's mobile app. Users will be able to log in to toggle the tip jar feature too for those individuals or organizations that don't want people just sending them cash out of the blue. Android users will also be able to send money in Twitter's clubhouse-like spaces, end quote. Android users will also be able to send money in Twitter's clubhouse-like space. Twitter already has the, the identity. They already have a bunch of users executing this. Uh, I think people will definitely flock to Twitter tip jar, but I don't know if they're gonna create like a separate Twitter for people that are already paying, you know, like kind of find a way to make Twitter more like Patreon, which kind of sucks for Patreon, right? Like they're just copying your idea and then integrate again, just copying all over the place. Are they gonna make like a Twitter, a paid Twitter? You know, I think that would be really interesting because Twitter has been free for so, quote unquote, free for so long. Like you kind of just access it. The tip chart feature is really, well, I think this is like the most accessible way to send money to someone, right? Like most people have Twitter and most people, you know, clearly have a bank or a bank account or some sort of digital payment method like PayPal or Cash App or Venmo. Pretty sure that those are the most common. So integrating it with those technologies, having this already visible presence on a very accessible app will, I think, is a really smart idea. And this is a way for Twitter to kind of make a little bit of money. I didn't see anywhere of Twitter takes a slice from the creator, uh, but I would assume they would, right? That's their business. That's their, that's the whole reason they exist to make money. Um, and if I think like 20%, 30% wouldn't be too bad from this. So like someone tips you a hundred bucks, they keep 20, which is still relatively good, right? You got to pay for infrastructure and servers and, people management and, and you know all this other backend stuff I, I think it's a really smart idea but where does it go from here um i as a user would say you know exclusive x y and c if you give me like you know it becomes a patreon basically then patreon would have to evolve in some other way because patreon feels like they made a exclusive page and the content creator gets to do whatever they want with it. On Twitter, I think they would do kind of the same thing, but offer this, it would kind of essentially be the same thing, but they would have to find a way to differentiate themselves from Patreon. I can't take a shot every time I say Twitter and Patreon. <laughs> I like that tip jar. I can't access it apparently because I only have like 20 followers. Twitter spaces versus Clubhouse. You know, I think, shoot. This is a huge, like, this is a huge thing now because Twitter and Clubhouse now essentially have some of the same features, right? They have the, you can send money to people, you can talk to people. Is Clubhouse gonna become more text heavy, right? Like you can't even DM people on Clubhouse. You have to kind of find like a workaround to talk to people if you meet them on there. We're gonna see what happens, but it's just really interesting. Who, who would be the first person that I tip? Because I don't, I don't find that, you know, I get value from the tweets. I get more value from like the outer, whatever else they do, right? Like Lex Friedman is a podcaster who uh, gives me information on YouTube, but I look at his Twitter 
to see like when he's posting or what he likes or you know what he doesn't like about like the the field that he's researching in like artificial intelligence so i think this would be like the place where you are able to send money faster like in the fastest way possible just by searching up their name on twitter you don't have to know their you know their venmo i guess or their twitter you just or their uh cash app you just know their twitter or not it's like oh you provided me with value you provided me with a resource or some sort of information and i know your twitter so i'm just going to send you some money for the work that you did i think more people are going to start to promote their twitter i think there's going to be a gradual growth again like all these apps man too many features too many features and they don't implement them slowly right it's like a lot of features all these getting it's just a problem at some point like there is such thing as too much of a good thing. I think that's all I really had to say at the moment. Nothing else. Yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you liked it, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And especially if you're on the Foundation app, please go ahead and upvote me. It would be highly appreciated. And I think that's all I have for now. At the end of the day, I thank you so much for your time and your attention. My name is Azmi Hongos, and I'll catch you in the next one.